Hey, so because Riley and I were so long-winded on this episode that went like three hours, our podcast hosting site wouldn't let us actually have it all in one episode. So we basically just split it in two. It's going to pick up exactly where it left off on the first one. Uh, while I have you two, feel free to email us at house of 1000 the number horrors at gmail.com and uh, leave us a review if you're while you're at it. Uh, thanks. Enjoy it. This right after this, this is where I say the movie just yeah. goes bonkers after this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, shit fucking hits the fan. Yeah. So pretty she, fucking fast. Helen is leaving the um police station. She's in the parking garage. Oh wait, no, she's not in the police station. I'm sorry. She goes to back to she goes back home. She talks to Bernadette. Bernadette's like, Yeah, we're gonna get published. Um getting you know, Helen's got this big old black eye. Mm-hmm. And she actually, you know what, I give her, even though she's like been brashly confident, kind of ignorant this whole time in a lot of ways and naive, I give her respect because she tells Bernadette, like, you know, it bothers her that, like, basically the cops straight up told her, hey, we've known this guy this whole time um, was this bad dude, but they didn't do anything until a white woman was attacked in there, and they straight up locked the place down and found him like that. And Bernadette actually is like, oh, you know, comforts her and says like, yeah, you know, they basically they got the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I thought that yeah, through like her expense a little bit. Yeah, you don't. Um, it it makes you respect Helen the character. Like she's actually not this like dumb, you know, naive. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Where you know she kind of utilized what she had. So when she confronted like the real deal. Uh, in quotes, it would be a lot easier to find this guy. Well, no, it's if that's more what of you're fact, saying. Or... No, no, I'm saying like the fact that like she's cognizant of the fact that like, hey, the cops wouldn't do anything. When yeah, was... if she wasn't, you yeah. know, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If a white woman was attacked, they wouldn't have locked the place down. They wouldn't have found him. He would have kept doing bad stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's when Bernadette says she has good news for her, and they were able to salvage the pictures that they had taken at Cabrini Green. And because of, you know, this and like the basically her getting attacked, the media's all over it and they're reaching out and they're interested and they're going to get published. And um, basically the reason they're getting published is because a white woman was attacked there. None of this was really like had any interest until that happened. Um, here's another kind of thought, though. It's It's hard not to wonder if she's like, you know, she's obviously very curious about like the Candyman lore and wants to write this great thesis. Uh, but if, like, you know, basically part of her daringness wasn't because, like, in the back of her mind, she knew any kind of controversy or drama that happened with her as a white woman being in there would have got them published. You know? So, so that's kind of like, why regardless she's being of the fact. so yeah. daring, so ballsy, because she's, like, almost, like, tempting, like, something crazy to happen to get this more just to, yeah in the back of her mind because she is very likable mm-hmm. she doesn't come off as naive or privileged really yeah but maybe it's, it's not. i mean it's a tactical way of thinking when you really want to push something out yeah it's like yeah. i mean and especially during that time i mean you're basically just almost really using your resources yeah you or, know or being as morally like skewed as it is i mean I'm just wondering. It, it's kind of a th- yeah, thought. Like, hmm. Yeah, like a thesis. No, I mean, I, I definitely see it, dude. Yeah, no, definitely. 
Uh, but yeah, so that's when she goes in the parking garage, and this is when the movie just kicks up to ten. I feel like that's this is where we first <laughs> meet Candyman. We see him off in the distance behind her in the parking garage. They're all alone, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Helen, <laughs> Helen, I came for you." Man, what a fucking dude! What a smoking hot fucking Chad to kind of like you like you know Tony reel Tom. her in. Yeah, talk her up. He's a seductor. Seductor? Oh, what's the male version? Seduct- seducer? You seducer. seducer. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, there you go. He's a seductor. A seductor type boy. And that Oops. is a big part of this. Yeah, no, and then that's honestly too where like the whole themes of romance come in because could you, I mean, when, when she sees him, when she finally actually sees Candyman sort of face to face, she's like entranced by him would you would you consider that like out of fear or out of just like disbelief i don't know it's that's a good question i really don't she's know. like hypnotized well, by you his know figure that's part of alone. it right too right what's up that they like literally hypnotized oh hypnotize yeah yeah that's why i used the word hypnosis yeah <laughs> i figure wow nice that nice was super fucking dope. <laughs> it was very clever because it was funny uh <clears throat> Rose was talking about how much he really hated screaming in films and shit, and he just found it flat out annoying. So that's why they got a I hypnotist. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it's so fucking trendy. So I mean, smart pull on his move there. Yeah, uh, obnoxious just, screaming. Maybe one in the movies are right, but yeah, a lot of screaming. Yeah, mm. I mean, as long as it isn't annoying and it's really fucking hard to make a scream not annoying. But you know, like no harm done. And it's just <clears> so like no harm done just typical at this point like oh yeah you're not breaking any uh new grounds no definitely not yeah and i mean but at the same time it's so smart because not to include the scream not to include fear because that's how you kind of paint this whole canvas of like romance like this attraction like this pull that he has on her almost all kind of yeah that's so crazy i never thought about that she really has never I guess afraid in the moment. Well, I I think she's like entranced and then she kind of breaks out of it and then starts to freak out, right? When he starts like approaching. Yeah, well, she asks like, do I know you? And yeah. he says, Pulls no, but the... you doubted me. And this is where he breaks it down. He says, you, you were not content with the story, so I had to basically have her be my victim. And mm-hmm. he starts saying the stuff. This is actually from The Forbidden as well. Um, Clyde Barker's story. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom, which, uh, you know, without these things, I am nothing. And dude, those, that's amazing. I feel like so much of that amazing writing from Clyde Barker, but the delivery is amazing. Oh, but, dude. Just another excuse for us to fucking start sucking Tony Todd's dick, man. <laughs> it's fucking great. And it's also like, like flashing in, um, like almost like subliminal messages of like the bees and like did you notice that of like and Helen yeah uh huh it does this in all of her interactions with him it flashes in scenes from the ending right from the first really time from the he, ending dude, I thought that was kind of like extra role no it's well it's still that scene with her even though it's her oh bro wow. I do I'll be real I did not pick that up holy shit I want to get to the main part of it I don't even know what to talk about now or I'll just keep referencing it like this movie's all about prophecy. Yeah, no, dude. Holy shit, that's a really good fucking word to put it. Yeah, no, it's like just destiny and she's fucking entangled 
Yeah, with it's the candy prophecy man. and legend. Like the prophecy mm-hmm. is she will become the legend. Because he keeps talking about how, like, like basically that this has to happen. Like, it's all laid out from the get-go. Like, it's almost like she never really had a shot anyway. Yeah, she. it's so... What's actually really interesting, too, about Candyman is that, like, the the main characters, or at least as far as I know, the, the new one that came out and then the first one, how the protagonists or what we believe to be the protagonists are almost basically like the catalyst or the vessel for Candyman to spread his influence and to like spread his name to yeah. then like, you know, take these victims and shit like that. And that's so interesting. Like Which, another thing just to analyze about it, how like I want to, I wouldn't say like a parasite, but more so kind of like a symbiosis between him and Helen. You know what I mean? Helen's Where, unique though because it seems like the reason, even though it's all like prophesized, the reason that he comes for her is because she's about to ruin his legacy. Because he's saying, without, yeah, putting an end to it. Yeah, if I'm because mm. she just exposed this guy that's the supposed Candyman, and so she's about to write her thesis that's about to get published. Candyman was just this gang leader guy, and that's that's all it was, and that ruins Candyman because his whole thing is. I'm the whisper in the classroom, the writing on the wall. Without these things, I'm nothing. So you're, if you ruin the legend, you ruin him. So that's why he's coming at her, right? You know what's fucked up? If she didn't say it a fifth time, um, and like she, Candyman wouldn't be on her. Like she would have actually technically won in the end. When did she because she said she it does yet, say though, it for right? a fifth time, and I'm pretty sure it's that mirror scene when her and Bernadette are saying think- it. Because I know Bernadette stops at the fourth time, but then Helen says it for the fifth time, and then she looks at Bernadette and she's like, "Oh, you're chickening out." Really? And she's like, yeah, and they're laughing about it. Yeah, no, no are because you sure. 100- yeah, no, one hundred percent. Helen says it a fifth time. Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, because she says it like because they're both saying it at the same time, and then when the fifth time comes, Helen says it, but then Bernadette doesn't, and she just looks away and looks at Helen. She's like, "Oh, are you chickening out?" Because that's how Candyman is like attached to her. Because otherwise, I mean, you would be breaking your own like rules of canon. That's for him true. approaching her, I wonder if I have so, saw a different cut than you because I have the old VHS. Maybe I, I my cuts from YouTube, so I'm not so sure how much editing was into it. Unless but I just pretty, counted wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm super certain that she said it a fifth time because I really? very much so remember the whole "Oh, you chicken and out" scene and like that initial kind of like you know provoking Candyman, like oh, like I don't because Helen didn't believe it, like she was it, to her it was just an urban myth. So wow. you know her saying it like. You're right, though. That would it. ruin the the canon because... Well, there's a lot of things that get ruined because, like, this has no mm-hmm. mirror in it right now when he's showing up, you know? He's just showing up in a parking garage. <coughs> so I don't even know if the mirror matters. Yeah, well, for summoning him, I think it does, but for him to actually... I think you can only see him through mirrors unless, like... So She's I, I think what it is, like... Well, yeah, because she, like summoned him like people that have summoned him i think can see him if he chooses it to be but people that aren't related can't see him you know what i mean so he's like a manifestation only to someone if you don't say it five times you're good (laughs) yeah no like just don't fucking say it five times you're set he only cares about if you're looking at a mirror say his name five times with at least like five second intervals then like those are just the two guidelines to summoning him. Other wow. than that, you're you're clean. You're good. You can say fan, it fourth dude. time. I didn't know she said it five times. <laughs> yeah, no. It, but like, if she didn't say that, like, if she didn't fuck around, <laughs> then Candyman would have actually just been fucking defeated right then and there. 
Wow. You know, granted, you can't fucking, you know, say anything to her like, oh, like that was a stupid fucking mistake for the character. She didn't fucking know. Right. You know, it's like there's there no way to prevent it. So that's why what you say with prophecy, like she was destined to like inhabit him as like she's basically a vessel for him to like spread his like awareness. And she was about to be the vessel that was going to destroy him <laughs> because of that. Bump. Yeah. So the prophecy is she's so influential in Candyman regardless. Either she mm-hmm. destroyed him or but she was actually fulfilling the prophecy of summoning him and basically joining him spoiler but and yeah yeah that's really well, interesting dude this movie's deep man well because I, I, I was gonna say I'll, I'll be honest i never watched the other two Candyman movies ever oh, so i don't know do they ever kind of utilize the same like tactic of Candyman? you know using people to like spread his like legacy around like using them to be like yeah no sp- like spread the trend of like saying my name five times you know how you'll find out Next episode. Whew. All right. I- interesting. All yeah, right. he gets on Twitter and like, dude, everybody just keeps typing Candyman and they just keep spawning more and more of them. And well, I, I think he's really kind of, uh, he, he's stuck in his own time. He only, he sticks to the classics. He doesn't want to like branch out. Yeah, he's you know, Twitter. He doesn't check Twitter. So you're good. If you say it five times on Twitter, you're fine. Oh, okay. Even cool. face, I'm, you know what? You're running a big risk on Facebook though. You post that on Facebook, he might check that out. Yeah, he hates those Republican grandmas on there too. Dude, Always he reposting the. Don't, don't even need to say his name five times. <laughs> Just fucking send one hot take yeah. and he's on your ass. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, then you know that Candyman, fucking, I almost said cameo, but that fucking entrance. That's forty-four is minutes in. We don't see Candyman until forty-four minutes in. I think that was bold. It's, what bold? Yeah, it was bold. It's interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's good because. I guess it's just also too, since I've already seen it a couple of times, that in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, we've already seen him. So this fake out is more set up for Helen. But no, I mean, I guess it really is set up for the audience because I, I could have sworn I thought we saw him earlier in the film, but I'm guessing not. We only see that painting, like the the graffiti uh, when she's coming out of the hole right. through the medicine cabinet. We only see that. I'm so glad and they I- did it that way, though. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, no, now thinking about it, holy shit, it's really fucking good as a fake out. I'm so glad they didn't start with a kill scene or something, just so you know. The fake out works because they didn't give you anything. And then a lot of horror movies start out really slow, and I don't really like that. Like 45 minutes in to get something, you know, that can kind of suck. But this one has you so interested, and then 45 Mm. minutes, like, then the movie kind of starts. It's kind of crazy. Because you're chasing, like, a question, you know what I mean? Like, you're looking for an answer, like... As the audience, you're kind of curious too. You're not just kind of. It's not like you're aware that Jason or Freddie is just like waiting for someone to fuck up and like do something stupid. Like you're just genuinely like exploring this urban legend with Helen. So it's a really, really smart way of just handling your story. And another thing too is just that like what I feel like a lot of horror movies do is when you when you show off like the main villain, the main killer. You have, if you show it off in the first 20 minutes, you still have like another hour and 20 or like an hour and 10 minutes of like the audience becoming used to his like appearance, you know, like For you have sure. an hour to kind of like let it settle in, you know what I mean? But like when you have something, because re- I, I think what's really good, and this is just my personal opinion, what's really good about good scary movies is that you don't show the killer super often. 
Right. Only in only in parts that like shit's like going down because when you do have that, you have that limited like perspective. You have that limited view on the killer. It, it, you're still shrouding him in a little bit of mystery. He's not going to show up on screen, you know, for half the like or like three fourths of the movie. You'll you'll have him pop in when you're least expecting it, and that it's just good. It's a good way of like handling killers because. More so for like monster horror movies, when you already see the monster, it's not really scary. But like when a monster's like you know shadowed and shit like that, and you don't see it, it there, there's there's that mystery in your fucking in the back of your mind where you're imagining something scarier or just you're imagining the worst possible thing. Letting like mental, no, not mental person. Basically, just what I'm trying to say is that when I you have this like. What's up? I definitely get what you're saying. I agree. Yeah, just you in the back of your mind, you just have this like subconscious. Uh, you gotta like fill perception. in the blanks yourself a little bit. Candyman, yeah, is yeah, interesting, exactly. Though, because they do actually have to fully show him. Oh yeah. From they don't shroud him in like a lot of like darkness or anything, but oh, it works because yeah. he's so tall. He's six foot five. Exactly. So it's he's and, menacing. He's impressive. Yeah. And so I was kind of going off on a monster tangent, but what's really good about Candyman is that. You know, you, you see this fucking dude and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck? Like, it's actual Candyman. So, you know, when you first see him, you're like, oh, f- like, what the fuck is he going to do? That The rest of the film, the rest of the 40 minutes, dude, is just going to be literally you dreading to see when he appears and when he starts killing people. Yeah. Because you don't see, know what to expect. I think we see the whole hook situation, too, which you instantly know is way different than the fake one. He's not holding yeah. a hook. He's got a literal stump with a hook into it. And that's way that's different. So fuck, and, yeah. and you would know, like, oh, that's the real deal. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, dude, run. And he's not talking normally or cutesy or, like, jokingly. It's like uh, he's talking, like, in prophecy, basically. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I, I feel like a really good trait that Candyman has, and I'm not so sure if it's a good way to put it. I would put it as, like, his charisma. The way that he speaks to Helen in, in this, like, how you said it, like, prophetic tone i don't even know if that's a fucking word but i'm gonna make it up that that poetic kind of like way he like pulls her in i don't know like entangled through fate i'm not saying he's not charismatic but there's a better word for it it's like it's almost like yeah yeah no i I know charismatic wasn't the thing but i'm trying to like you know yeah i wouldn't say ego either i'll come up with it as we're going enchanting is mesmerizing or something but anyway this is like enchanting that's yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah, but this is this is like this is where this is when it goes full mental, dude. This the rest. Oh of, yeah, because and this is I think this is where we get some real terrifying parts because this is after, where we get the horror actually. Yeah, because right after this yeah. conversation, that's not really a conversation. He's basically telling her why he's here. Blackout. She wakes up to just chaos. She wakes up. She's covered in blood. She gets up. There's a Rottweiler head sitting on the ground. And a butcher's knife next to it, blood everywhere, and you just hear screaming the uh, the whole scene. And she picks up the butcher's knife. She walks down the hall, like you know, she's obviously like using it for protection. And she opens the door, and the screaming is coming from Anne Marie with her baby Anthony. She's over the crib. There's nothing. There's not a baby in the crib. There's just blood everywhere. Um, you kind of think honestly the the baby was murdered. Uh, but she basically sees Helen. She turns around. And like, just gets attacked her. She's like screaming at her, and Helen's trying to tell her to stop. She won't. So they kind of flip around. Helen still got the knife. She like gets on top of her, 
and she's like still threatening her. Helen's telling her to stop with the knife in the hand, and as she's like wielding it, the cops bust in. And she literally looks like she's about to just murder yeah. her with a knife over top of her. And the cops take her out like in handcuffs. You go outside, there's like a helicopter. Like you're like, yeah. oh man. Talk about a silly ass fucking coincidence. What a what a funny, what a goofy little sequence of events to take place. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's gonna be hard to explain to this the This is when it comes to psychological thrill. I will say the first yeah. time watching this, or even after, if you forget about it, like you don't think it's actually gonna go this route of like her actually being arrested. You think like, oh, it'll just be a misunderstanding and she's out, like most horror movies. Oh, dude. Well, I mean, w- with that kind of scene though, too, like I mean and you know, forgive me if I'm not recalling, but that's like the first time we ever really kind of get thrown in such a real strong like pov of helen because we're literally in the same shoes as we are like we don't know shit right now because normally through the film you're kind of like well aware of the events that's going to happen like you're, you're good at kind of like predicting you know what i mean but like that whole shit going down you have no idea what the fuck oh, yeah. is going on you're, you're just, just as, as lost as she dark. is yeah Not, yeah it's so fucking awesome i just love that too yeah you know awesome. being left in the dark you know feeling just so confused but not that like worthless confused just genuinely like okay dude you got to fucking explain what the fuck just happened right now. Yeah. And, and that's totally such, I just love that kind of fucking writing. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so fucking This crazy. is where it becomes just like a crazy, scary psychological mm-hmm. thriller because now she's in the police station, like still all bloody and she's getting strip searched by a woman cop. Oh, which I do actually have. Uh, I guess <laughs> that woman cop, I don't know if you saw that she's like, uh, she's actually like a, a friend of Helen or, Virginia Madsen, sorry, that she wanted to cast there. So, like, obviously she's getting naked in front of her to be more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's when, like, the psychological part of it just ramps up because mm-hmm. now she's getting treated like a, like... A fucking criminal. Yeah, like baby Like, the killer. new candy man. Yeah, and the cops well, are interrogating yet. her. Uh, oh, yeah. Asking where the baby is. So yeah, not find out anything. At least the baby's not murdered. It's just abducted, and they're like, you're sick. And mm-hmm. Junior, like, complete actual garbage. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, not not as you should, but, like, dude, imagine just being, like, those cops' perspective, you know what I mean? Just, like, or the detective's perspective. It's like, dude, you're you're a fucked up person. Like, decapitating a fucking dog, stealing a baby. Like, who pissed you off? Yeah. You know what and I mean? Like, I hate that so many movies do that thing, though, where it's, like, a fake out, or, like, oh, she's totally busted for it. And then, like, they end up just getting out of jail real quick. Like, oh, it's a misunderstanding. Like, it's like, yeah, no, we didn't we didn't find any incriminating evidence on you. You got a lot of blood, a lot of a lot of dead bodies in the building. You're fine. You're all right, man. Yeah, go home. Goes, don't don't do it again, champ. <laughs> yeah, come on. Be smart next time. Yeah. <laughs> Can't bust you out like last time, dude. You're gonna sit in one day in in jail. Or Which no. actually does kind of happen, but before that, she's in the the cell, and you start getting like again like the flashes. Like visions, that yeah, prophecy visions, of destiny of like the baby and Amory. Oh, I, this is more like a flashback though of like what happened. But oh, like she's recalling. Yeah, but not done. Still not filling it in at all. Just like flashes yeah. of it. And you get the three a.m. phone call to the husband that doesn't answer, mm. which is super dark. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I will say that's not a plot hole. I know that it, they have to use it to get through it, but it's like it does actually happen where she gets out like the next day on like bail. The yeah, I mean, 
Because writing-wise, I mean, I guess you kind of did write yourself into a corner because there's not many other ways you could realistically get out of that. Well, granted, what happens next is pretty fucking crazy. But Oh. I'm I'm talking about like kind of... I'm going to skip a little bit further ahead, but I, I'm okay. not going to bring that up yet. But well, I, I will say... I don't even know which part you're talking about. I will say that like... Because there, there's like a, a media circus and stuff, and that all feels very realistic though you know you have to do like the classic like perp walk where they put the jacket over you and rush you mm-hmm. outside because there's so much media yeah 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 like with like high profile killers but it's still hard to imagine actually getting out on a bail for that and the reasoning was um it's something like actually i did write it because i was like mm. hold on oh they did they haven't charged her because he goes. They rush her back to the house with the lawyer and her husband, and they haven't charged her because they think they might find the body, and that means they're shooting for m- murder one first degree. So I'm like, okay, mm. like what? Mm. Yeah, but you could still hold them because they're like the main suspect. I, I can't imagine. Maybe Chicago's got <laughs> some weird. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to refer to the law system on that one, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't Call know Chicago. Uh, federal office i give it a pass there. though yeah i mean it's not yeah. like they said you're off they're just like oh mm-hmm. they're waiting to find the body so then they can officially charge yeah, you so they're not saying so. it's over yeah but they're still basically letting you go they're like all right you know you yeah. were literally about to kill this woman as far as we could tell but you're off the hook for right now because we still got to find that body yeah and she does ask like oh where uh, how come he didn't answer that phone call at three in the morning? He's like, "Oh, I was sleeping." <laughs> so, like, oh shit, you know, I, fuck, we do that too, dude. We sleep at three a.m. Sorry. So, so there's really no downtime though. Like she starts going through, like she's not alone at the house because he has to run out for her to grab some papers or something fishy, mm-hmm. and she's looking through all those pictures of Cabrini Green, and this kind of cheesy too, like zooming in on the. Does the classic like zoom in on the pictures thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you just see a figure like in the background. Like, all right, I'll oh, give no. it a pass. What's that, dude? What the uh, fuck? But this is where she like goes to the bathroom, and that's where the actual, I think the only jump scare and the most effective one. It's just like walk in. There's no build up. You know how like horror movies nowadays they do like the, the very suspenseful music. It takes forever. It's trying to make you anxious. Yeah. This just is walking bathroom, poof, hook through the medicine cabinet. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. I, I mean, that got me on a second watch too, because I just actually, to be fair, forgot about it. That's how you do but, a jump scare. You do one, and you do it. You don't have build up. It just happens. Oh yeah, because like, dude, when you do build up and shit like that, that's literally so tropey, and like, it, it's not as scary. Like when you got blaring ass music, and granted, like the music is disturbing sometimes. Like music gets me, but like. It's just fucking annoying because I know it's coming. And, like, they'll sometimes do that, like, oh, no jump scare there. Turn around, nothing. Turn around again. Oh, fuck. It's a dude's dick. They're trying to make you anxious for, like, three minutes straight. And then, like, oh, it's just a friend. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. And, like, even sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's just a friend. And then turn around. Oh, it's the actual killer. You know what I mean? It's, like, that double fake out. So, yeah. But that's good though. That's smart. You know that jump scare because there's only there's like a handful of jump scares. Like I think again only three, two of which are the dog, and then one just the mirror. But yeah, I mean like you said, dude, it's just the best way 
to handle jump scares. Just do it literally right off the get-go. And like, to be fair, I'm not a big fan of jump scares really at all. So uh, it's totally not because I'm a pussy or anything. But I will say in my defense, I think a better way of scaring people is just having those those anxious feelings in your gut really like creating a theme not a theme but like an atmosphere that's a better word i was going to try to use there just an atmosphere of like you know dread like i like that kind of fear i like that kind of like scary shit because like or or it just happens and you're not expecting it just like boom yeah that's it i'm not yeah but those are some like if they do that like a one and done because if you have like more like my kind of rule is like three strikes and then you're fucking out if you do three jump scares in general then i'm kind of like all right dude fuck you unless it's a really good film just one and done yeah do one jump scare and then like that's like that's a good jump scare yeah don't overuse it and i feel like to be fair jump scares became tropey so that's why mostly i would assume a lot of people just don't like jump scares it's just because it happens so much in such an easy way to like scare people. Uh I know we were left off where um the basically the one effective jump scare where the hook comes out of the medicine cabinet, which does lead to a good part of that scene where the candyman's hook burst through it. Um Virginia mm-hmm. Madsen, the actor who plays Helen, didn't know, so her terror and shock there are real. And yeah. It says she like she basically ran screaming from the set. So I did find that pretty interesting. <laughs> I love when movies do that and you get authentic reactions. Yeah, uh, Evil Dead actually did that too for most of uh, their cast members. Actually, it goes with perfectly the, with like the whole yeah. practical effects and all that. Like, because um, I do know I watch movies with a lot of CGI. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. I was just watching It Chapter Two again, and uh, I could like the CGI parts of like you kind of you have really good actors still looking like kind of corny when they're reacting to something that's CGI as opposed to the real deal. Oh yeah, no, definitely. So uh, it goes perfectly with the practical effects of that hook coming out. Like there's real fear there. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's where basically I mean, at that that's point. That's where shit really goes to the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from there, it's just like back and forth, just constantly like, you know, shit goes down. She freaks out. She gets visited by Candyman because she starts running out of the apartment. Well, yeah. And she makes and their then, biggest mistake here is she grabs that kitchen yeah. knife. Uh, well, that's the <laughs> second time in a row. Mm-hmm. That that kind of works. So she's trying to like dial nine one one. For some reason, I guess it's not dialing out. I don't know if Candyman <laughs> cut the phone lines or what. Uh, <laughs> I don't know something. But then she hears Bernadette coming outside, and basically, the same thing happens where Bernadette gets killed, and she's standing. She there wakes up knife. in a pool of blood, knife in hand. Yeah. Well, th- so her waking up part is when the cops are there. And, yeah. Um. Uh, that was part is kind of silly. Like, like the cops are gonna like just straight up have her chilling in, in the crime scene in her bed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. they're like, get her out of here. Like, uh, I think you would have got her out of there like instantly, so you could like assess the crime scene. Yeah, it's '90s. Um, but yeah, he he's like asking her. We got some good iconic lines from this too. Where he's basically everything he says in this movie. But he says, you know, he keeps asking her, "Do you believe in me?" And he breaks down like this whole basically thesis where he says, your disbelief destroyed the faith of my congregation without them. Mm-hmm. I had nothing. What we were talking about with, uh, that's why he's going so hard at hers because she was about exactly. to. Yeah. So she's basically going to be the new vessel for him. Cause like his whole career was like quite literally fucking ended almost. Yeah. Seriously. She's about to end that whole man's career. See if she just didn't say that shit five times in the mirror, dude, 
he would have been powerless, like dead ass. It's interesting because he's trying to have her stop doing that. Um, you know, so it doesn't ruin him, but at the same time, reignite the fire with her death of like the legend. Oh yeah, no, definitely. He's just trying. It's it's weird. He's trying to make a successor out of her almost. Yeah, he says now because I must kill you. Your death will be able, will be a tale to tell children to make lovers cling closer. This all sounds very Shakespeare, where he's like in their mm-hmm. rapture. It says cling closer in their rapture. Come with me and be immortal. It's very uh. I know, I just keep going back to prophetic. Yeah, no, for real. I mean, he's got a way with words, dude, you know. Tony Todd's a pretty pretty smart guy. Yeah. Cuz uh actually, did you know um that Tony Todd actually had a pretty big handful of uh control over Candyman as a character, which is they awesome. They gave him a lot of liberties, yeah. So actually, that was kind of coming off as a joke and then I kind of realized, oh shit, no wait, that actually is kind of real. He did kind of design the character for his persona. Uh, during production because of his experience through theater and everything else prior they're like yeah like do you want to take control of Candyman?" And he's like yeah so he put a lot of his personal input on the character and what he should say and how he thought the character should be portrayed so a lot of that is actually tony todd's writing yeah i know he said that he like basically tried to act as a primeval boogeyman mm-hmm. without overacting the part and um, i do have some stuff on like the actual practicalness of like of actually the design of him the guy he worked with bob keen on it uh but mm-hmm. i do know i saw one of the things was like tony todd did suggest an eye patch and they're like nah <laughs> which i'm yeah. glad they didn't do uh but yeah this is where like the, this the i guess the dread and the despair of this movie kicks in because now like she's so deep in it like mm-hmm. she's basically in a mental ward it looks like well, yeah, no, I mean, because I'm pretty sure she is, because uh, I doubt it's the police station, because once they kind of bring her in captivity, they bring her into, yeah, it's no, it hospital. must be a psych ward, right? Yeah, it's either a hospital or a psych ward. I was leaning mm-hmm. towards a psych ward. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they strap her down and basically. Yeah, she's just. And, but she's still seeing Candyman throughout it, so she's screaming. She looks yeah. like a lunatic to them. And you're still seeing flashes of that ending scene, like that prophecy that Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. the baby, she keeps getting flashes of that. Candyman even visits her in there and she's screaming and you get the effect of that too of like how she's like basically being treated as she's crazy because like even that like orderly comes in the next day to take her out and she's like oh I want to see my husband and he's like yeah I do too like they're basically like making fun of her like this lady is crazy you know yeah no and it's kind of weird too because further down the story when she gets not really interrogated, but more so interviewed, right, by the uh, director of the psych ward. They're doing, like, a medical analysis on her, right? Or what? what is that whole interview she has with the guy? Oh, um, yeah, that's coming out right after this part. Yeah, because I was going to say, there's almost a, a little bit, and it's not really much of a fake-out, but more so, like, it kind of makes her question if she's really sane or not. That part's because amazing. Because when they play back... What's up? That part's amazing, when they wheel her into yeah. the dark. Yeah, yeah. Because she's completely losing it at that point. Because they're, mm-hmm. she's like, I want my attorney. Because they say he's, he's been there for a month, and then yeah. you know he, she wants her attorney. He's like, I'm working for your defense, mm-hmm. and basically just treating her still like she's crazy. Playing back the videos of, of what she was her doing. screaming at nothing, like yeah. up in the sky and shit like that. Yeah, and this is like all these flashes and stuff we're getting up until then. This is when Candyman really starts saying like. What stop begging to live? Like that's his whole thing, and this is kind of the romantic part of it. 
where like the whole time he's like trying to show her like basically just die like go with the prophecy like die for me almost yeah which is dark but he's like he's basically leading her down the path of you have nothing to live for and Mm -hmm. he makes that a reality by the end yeah because he's taking everything from her yeah but he just keeps saying uh, but you you're you don't really have as much um I don't know you're kind of with her throughout that point, like going against the grain throughout this mm. time, even though she's do he's doing all this fucked up stuff. You're going along with her because she's like fighting against it. But by the end, you're kind of, you're right there with her because he's taking everything. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's it's the literally like just an uphill battle, dude. It is like kind of a love story, but the seduction is really like die. Yeah. Well, it's just like the power he has over influence with her. It's pretty crazy. Like that's a just a dynamic that's like more so psychologically like terrifying. The fact that he can really kind of like manipulate her and put her in this trance and shit because it's you know well, uh, multiple times. The reason it's so effective d- though is because he's killing everyone in her life. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I mean, fuck, she literally killed that guy. What guy? She killed her fucking attorney. Cheated. Like when they're yeah. No, Candyman. Because she no, she's like, let me show you, and then fucking says Candyman oh. five times. Like, I mean, she didn't literally, but you know what I mean. Like, well, she's just <laughs> trying to like prove that she's not crazy. So yeah, I don't think she killed him with that. Well, because what's weird is that um, Bernadette saw Candyman, but she never said like Candyman five times. Um. Uh, well, I think is I- it just like he can choose when to be seen. That's a good question. I mean, basically, once he shows up, I think he's there. In that, yeah, he's there. Okay. Well, because then I was thinking when we saw that playback of the footage and stuff, when she was alone in that room, like when she, uh, when he visited her, like you couldn't see him on screen. Yeah, that is interesting. So, so I wonder. I think it's just selective. Like he can either like invade. Do you think the doctor saw him to someone? I'm sorry. Do you think the doctor saw him? I mean, he. To be real, I like no matter what he didn't because he was like killed from behind. But I feel like he wouldn't have seen it. That's interesting. I didn't think about that, but I guess not. Yeah, yeah because no, he, dude, he gets fucking dropped, and like right after that whole kill sequence, one of the coolest fucking things in the movie happens, where he does like he just fucking bursts out the window from behind and shit. Yeah, that's that was one. super fucking dope. Like I mean, you can see the movie. wire in it. <laughs> but I fucking love that though, dude. That was so fucking cool. That was very like villain, Marvel villain kind of <laughs> aspect, just flying backwards out the window, and then she dips out too after that. Yeah, no, because like uh, security starts knocking, being like, "Yo, is everything all right in there?" Yeah, and that's when after she dips out, and now she's basically a fugitive on the yeah, run. That's, <laughs> yeah, everything's lost. She has nothing to gain. Yeah, and she goes to her apartment, and she's still like, now the only person she has left is Trevor, her husband. And she mm-hmm. has suspicions, obviously he hasn't proven anything. But she's like, as she's running up to the apartment, she's just like, please be home, Trevor. Please be home, Trevor. And this is where, like, now she loses everything because his, like, student girlfriend there is there. Then they're repainting the walls because yeah, it's been at least a month. Renovating the house and shit. Yeah, it's been at least a month. So. We know that. And so time is messed up in the viewer's mind, too. Mm-hmm. And basically, I thought he was going to die at this point, but 
Yeah, like I did. I thought that she was going to kill him. And that part was because they really make him so hateable, too. Oh, yeah. Because he walks in when they're painting and she, like the little, the little girl, she's like 18, 19, might as well be a little girl, Mm -hmm. turns around. Like a college student. Yeah, she turns around, though, and just instantly starts crying. And like, he's like, Trevor. And he's like, what's the matter, sweetie pie? Like in a baby voice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, dude, what a scumbag. He's a, oh, he said, did you make another boo-boo? Yeah, no, he fucking, he had a little poo-poo in his fucking pants after he saw oh, Helen yeah. there. Yeah, he's in a bathrobe, <laughs> just chilling, looking like he's living his like best life. Like, man, things worked oh, out for God. me. It's crazy what a month will do to a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially him. Picks up one of his students and shit like that. Lets him move into the same ap- apartment that he had with his wife. Well, she says, like, what, were you going to wait till I got out to tell me? And, like, it's basically implied, like, he didn't think she was ever getting out. He wasn't fighting for her cause. Yeah. But, I mean, like, can you really, like, blame him a little bit? Like, imagine, like, in your steps, like, you know, your wife is a serial killer. Yeah, but it's, like, implied, basically, he was cheating on her the whole time. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's just very bro, It's just those red flags earlier in the relationship we didn't see, dude. And she knew the whole time. Yeah. But she actually just basically says it's over and walks out. And that's, we get like a clip from Candyman saying to her, she's like looking out over the water and says, they will all abandon you. All you have left is my desire for you. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird. Like that is the romance part of it of like, yeah, hey, I killed everyone. So like now it's me and you girl. Cause he's, yeah. Cause it's like, it, like he's emotionally manipulating her to be like, well, you have nothing, like nothing to lose. Like just join me. Like, rekindle my legacy. Basically. And then that's when we walk in on him. Like, she goes to the flashes we've been having of all movie. Mm-hmm. This is where basically the ending scene starts where she just goes to him. Going and, back to the uh, Cabrini building. Yeah, that vacant room mm-hmm. with the baby. There's little cute candles and stuff and the hook they're waiting for. Her. Well, he's sleeping and she, like, comes up. She, like, hits him with the hook. Yeah. Well, do ghosts just sleep? Like,. Was he just playing her, or <laughs> what was I that all like he's about? He's more there? than just a ghost, but I guess you could just reduce him to a ghost at the end of the day. Well, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Is he really a ghost, or more of like an enigma? An enigma, like is he? Yeah, like he's <laughs> like an, an like a manifestation of hate, or just like vengeance. You know what I mean? Because well, like still an entity. I mean, ghost makes more an sense entity. than enigma. Enigma just means like a mystery. Oh shit! Really? I thought okay. I was thinking maybe of like unless that's some entity I don't know about. I don't know. Pro- probably not. I'm probably just spewing words out of my mouth, making me try to <laughs> sound a little bit enigma? smarter. But he's an enigma, <laughs> dude. I enigma. learned that word from SpongeBob, so I use it in like all pop media, all pop media, dude. I guess he is a ghost, though. Yeah, well, I guess so. But it's weird that. Well, I'll get to that when we get to the ending. But yeah, no, she slashes at his neck, and I guess yeah, you're right. Hits him or something. He gets up. It does nothing to him. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, this is where and it's starting like really romantic too, because he's like stroking her face. He, mm-hmm. Like you came to me. Gets really up in there. Yeah, he has like a tear in his eye, and I'm I don't know if he has a tear because I thought that was blood, like in the left side of his face. Yeah, I thought. It was is a that tear. a tear? I thought that was blood. I I might have just not been looking to be honest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a tear coming down, and I'm like, is he? I'm guessing he's crying because she actually showed up. Like the prophecy is being fulfilled, and not because she hit him with the hook. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, no. If if anything, that yeah, which makes way more sense for it to be like tears of joy, like triumph almost. 
but that goes along with the kind of vampire aspect Dracula that they were going for and that he was going for, like the sleeping on the altar thing with the candles all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and then he, like, picks her up and basically carrying, them, carrying her like they're newlyweds. Mm-hmm. And we get that awesome <laughs> quote from him that it's like, the pain will be exquisite and our names will be written on a thousand walls. And our crimes will be told and retold by all our faithful believers, like the prophecies being fulfilled. And this is the only scene where she gets with bees because then, like, she pulls her hand away. It's covered in bees, which I'm sure wasn't actually her hand. But then he's got the bees yeah. all up in his mouth, and she's got Opens bees on her face. His... Yeah. Get that jacket reveal, those abs, those <laughs> yeah. washboard abs of his, dude. <laughs> yeah. The skeleton rib bees. <laughs> and, um, uh, then it's like another cutscene, basically, though, or like a blackout where she wakes up, she's all alone. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the prophecy isn't completely fulfilled yet. Yeah, and I guess it's just throughout the entire movie, dude. I mean, like, obviously these are like real encounters, but do you think they're like su- not subconscious encounters, but like she's like in a headspace of like unconsciousness when he like sees yeah, him, like a fugue state. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you think she's just kind of like in her mind when she like sees him visit her, or like no, it's I a mix it of happened. both reality and she's just in that like hypnotized fugue state, and then like you're basically yeah. waking up out of the trance. Okay. Um. But yeah. So then she goes down to the well. The party's starting to get together, and mm-hmm. she does see right when she wakes up too. She sees the uh, "It was always you, Helen." Like more of that prophecy, and. <laughs> Like she hears all you hear is a baby crying. She's like going into this giant wood stack of all the trash, mm-hmm. not wood, but all the just trash that they're doing for this huge bonfire. And she's climbing in there, and all you see since she's carrying one of the a hook with her that she found, all Jake the little kid sees when he looks outside is someone with the hook going in. He's like, Oh, he's here. Candy man, he's here. So here's Got the interesting the part. Was this whole fire part of the prophecy? It has to be, I feel like. Well, well, yeah. Because they no, all start running out. He says that he's here, and everybody runs out to light the fire. Like, oh, Candyman was going to come into this. Well, yeah, because I think... Uh, oh, wow. That, yeah, that's a really good point, because I thought initially it was just like... I mean, didn't they give an explanation to why they burn like a pile of trash like every year or so? They don't say every year. They just say it's for the party. It's for the party. So, really? like, you uh, insinuate, like, oh, basically this is a yearly party thing, but they never say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, because I, I mean... They're waiting for this yeah, specific so, moment yeah. that Candyman shows up in the fire or in the Shit, in the okay, because I was thinking... Because obviously they didn't build it and then put a kid inside to draw Candyman in there. I feel like they built it, Candyman took Anthony, little baby Anthony, and then threw him in there to get Helen. But then just because Helen had the hook and everything climbing into the pile that they were like, oh, shit. Like, Candyman's going into the pile, like, fuck it, light it up, like, right. he's here. But it's still part of the prophecy to kill Candyman. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I don't but think I, I kind of wonder how he did that, how he influenced, like, that whole party. Well, like, it might it... not even be him influencing the prophecy, it just is the prophecy. And that's only me go- getting this from this last viewing. I'm not saying it is correct. Yeah. But uh, I just got that, that uh, feeling from it when they don't specifically say, like, the party is a yearly thing and they times up specifically with they're just waiting. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying consciously they built that trash knowing Candyman was going to show up at some point. But like you said, it's influenced somewhere subconsciously 
they were not, not knowing what this party was for, what this trash was for until the right moment. Just the flow of fate kind of Or they thought occurred. it was a party, and because Jake saw Candyman, saw the hook, which is part of that prophecy, that's why they decided to light it just then. But that was always going to happen. Yeah, no, that's crazy to think about because you could take that in so many different directions too of just like how it came to be, why it happens. Yeah, because you're getting flashes of that end scene that Helen just went through the mm. whole movie ever since she first meets Candyman, this, the second she meets him. So like that part was already predestined. I don't see why this wouldn't be as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so they light it up and they're all like chanting, burn him, burn him. And... Mm. She uh, basically just grabs the grabs the baby. Candyman pops up, and you know she's like, "Oh, you lied to me!" And he's still trying to, you know, keep her like, keep her in relax, the fire. Chill, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's basically trying to have her burn with him. So maybe yeah. it is part of his prophecy, but she subverts it. Because do you think it's like, and no pun intended, but like a passing of the torch, where if he goes out, but she goes out with him. She becomes the new entity that takes over as Candyman. Well, I don't think. Or how do you, I think Candyman was never intentionally trying to kill the baby? Like burn him because we do have yeah, that one to draw scene. her. Yeah, we have the one scene where yeah. he has the hook on the baby, and it's kind of like, oh shoot, he's about to kill a baby, but no, he just like sticks and his he feeds finger. him honey. Yeah, he's feeding him, so it's like he's taking care of that baby. That was just there, yeah. so maybe he knew the whole time. And he can't die twice, so he's just going to die again, basically. But that's weird. I mean, he technically does die uh, in the fire, like, at the end of it. And, like, that's what I... Because that's what I was so curious about and I wanted to ask you, but do you want to just cover the last few couple of things before we kind of discuss the ending? Like, when she gets out, yeah, breaks out of his trance, I mean, and that's, then, yeah. that's basically it. She crawls... She army crawls out completely on fire, like, her with, hair's With gone. a little baby, too, in, like, her left hand. Fucking yeah. fiery pillar drops on her back. She gets a little on fire. Yeah, because we see Anne Marie like a flash of her while they're she's trying to fight in the fire with Candyman, and she looks like broken, mm-hmm. like a shell of her. So, oh, yeah. and we haven't seen her since that scene with the whole dog head cut off, baby abducted <laughs> thing. So, but yeah, she yeah, brings the baby out to her. Been a hot second, and then she basically dies right there. Yeah, and I mean. I, it's so strange too because I guess the whole point was for them to go out together. And what 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 did you think the purpose of that would have been? Like, do you think it was a passing of the torch, creating a legacy together? Like, yeah. Because I mean, what would have been the like end goal of like okay, they both get burned to death, they die, but then how would Candyman's legend like continue? Well, that's exactly why, because she has a hook in there, and she gets lit on fire, and there's a story of her abducting the baby. Oh, because, yeah, if the baby were to die... Okay, now, all right, that makes a lot more sense. Well, it's, it's just the legend of her now. You know, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's the new generation of of Candyman. No okay. one's going to remember that other guy, that ganglier guy they found, Candyman. She's going to be, you know, the new... But is it kind story. of like, since she... And this is kind of like weird where like you can twist up lore, but if she were to become the new Candyman and like become the new legend, she still is aware of her Candyman, like of her generation. Would he still be lingering with her alongside her? 
I guess with we'll legacy, find out. or would he just kind of die out? Like because she would be the only person that would know of him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure other people still knew. Like you have the professors and stuff. It's just like creating, mm-hmm. creating the mythos because it still keeps him alive too. Because oh shit, yeah, you know you're right. Because she went insane pursuing the story of Candy. Yeah, Man. so it just makes oh it okay grow even larger. Yeah, all right, no, no, okay, that makes a lot more sense, because I was kind of confused on that a little bit, just, like, the game plan of, like, them both dying, and then, you know, she still technically dies, but she died a hero, so she didn't become the new Candyman, like, the new urban legend. Yeah, and there is kind of, like, the love story angle to it, too, because he wants her to be with her, you know, she's obviously very closely Yeah. Now, do you think those were real feelings, though, or was that just a way of him manipulating her to influence her to, like... Well, I think it goes with this whole uh, legend of, you know, the the woman that he died for, you know. That's basically what she's replacing. Yeah. So is it like him trying to, like, fill in that missing love? Or is that more so him just, like, utilizing her emotional, like, just disparage? I don't know. I don't even know. I just view it more as, like, uh, just like I said, the legend, the prophecy, fulfilling it. I don't Mm know. Okay. I don't know if so it goes romance those. through prophecy. That that seems like a very like straightforward. Well, the romance like, solid. is. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's there, for sure. But because it, like it's definitely interesting. But I was just curious, like behind the motivation of the romance. Well, like I said, the reason why the he was killed for. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a. Quick fact on that fire, though, too. The same team who worked on Backdraft, 1991 movie. That's like the big fire, uh, firefighter movie. They designed oh, the set okay. for the uh, bonfire. They used 1,500 gallons of propane, propane and the largest Jesus. section was 70 feet wide and 30 feet high. That's a big-ass fire. God damn, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I do Holy like shit. when the fire explodes, do they have like a bees effect? Like there's like a million bees also <laughs> exploding. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I guess that works. But yeah, so now we're at Helen's funeral because we find out basically she died in that. And it's a rough mm-hmm. funeral. There's Okay, there's three people there, which is Trevor, who probably shouldn't mm-hmm. be there. His new no, girl, no, who fuck definitely him. shouldn't be there. Oh, mm-hmm. no, there's four. The third person is Purcell, the other professor, who I think is Bernard mm-hmm. Rose, the director. And then there's a fourth person, not the priest. I don't know who that person is. I didn't find anything. I'm like, who is that guy? Maybe her dad? Yeah. I don't know. But he's like their no. age. But yeah, yeah no, it beats me. I have no clue. <laughs> They're at the uh, the funeral, and uh, we basically see like it's a quick funeral. Not a lot of people there, and um, the this like procession of people comes up, and it's all the residents of Cabrini Green coming up, and Jake and Anne Marie, the mom, are are leading it, and Jake drops a hook in the. Uh, like the open grave on top of the casket before they're filling it up. God damn it, Jake. And my th- my take on this, and this is after I read it, uh, or after I watched it, I saw other people's takes, so I didn't realize I was probably wrong. I thought it was because, what do you, why did you think they were dropping the hook in there? Initially, I, I mean, I'll be real. I just thought it was more of like, I didn't really take much like, emphasis or like what's the word i want to use here but like why metaphorical meaning but why like why they show up 
Oh, why did they show up? Fuck, I don't know. I really, to be fair, I didn't really think much of it with the hook. But just why would they show up? You didn't have any reason why? No, I was just like, oh, dude, you're here. Okay. My my view was that, like, they were, um, they had, like, reverence and respect for her because of, they knew the true story. Like, they knew Mm. why she was seeking out, like, why she was there in the first place, what happened, and... Because she knew Jake, she knew Anne-Marie, and, you know, they knew the real Candyman killed her, and she just got mm-hmm. dragged down with it, and she's going to be painted as this villain, but really, she's the one who saved the baby. But upon seeing other people, like, actual articles about, like, the ending, it seems like the main consensus is that, like, they were basically saying, like, kind of fuck you was why they were showing up. Like... They had really? respect, but it was just to drop the hook. Like, yeah, we knew, we know you were the real Candyman kind of thing, which wasn't what I took from I it get, at all. But I mean, I guess it makes sense considering the ending of this. It'd just be crazy though, because Jake knew her, and like told her Candyman wasn't real, and she brought the baby out. Like, why would she have done that? So I feel like maybe at the very least there'll be a split off legend about like, hey, the real legend isn't true. She actually was trying to save him. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting that you can pick up multiple things from this movie from multiple times watching it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And a lot of it isn't necessarily right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it's just analysis, and like that's the thing too. With like a lot of people when they make stories, they're not directors don't like giving you the like real answers behind it because it's like no, like we want you to talk about it, like we want your own take on it. I appreciate that much more than just plainly spelling flat something. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep, there's no interpretation here. This is what it is. Now, some people take it too far and they try to leave too much interpretation where it's like, oh, you just made a yeah, mess. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. They're just literally pushing out that idea. It's like, oh, just read the sublines. Yeah. And you'll pretty much know exactly what I meant. It's like David Lynch, but I like it. I like David Lynch's aspect of it. He's like, you, <laughs> there's a billion different things you can take from it. I don't even know what it was. He's like, dude, yeah, I don't fucking remember shit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, I mean, and then we have the actual final scene. Is that the one you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're baby boy Trevor bites the dust. Yeah. He's like crying in the bathroom after the funeral. Yeah. Helen. Oh, Helen. Yeah. Says it. And then you see like, (laughs) I like how they really extra bimbified that his like girlfriend too. She's wearing like a completely see-through shirt with no bra. I don't know if you noticed that. It's not like a night shirt. It's like. This yeah, is what no, she went it's out. Actually, like <laughs> yeah. lingerie, basically. Yeah, but it's she's wearing jeans and that shirt with nothing under. Like, oh, this dumb dumb just went out in public like this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and actually, you see, Trevor has a lot of remorse. He's like crying. He's having flashbacks with her, and you get the legend starting to go up because, um, I think her name's Stacy. Grabs a knife, a kitchen knife, because mm-hmm. or because she's chopping salad. It's unrelated. And Trevor says Helen five times. She appears behind him. She's back to her burnt self. Because in the funeral, she was like, Bro, I got like Hellraiser vibes. Oh. From like that Helen scene. You know what I mean? This whole movie does. I got huge Hellraiser vibes from those ribs showing. Like that seems mm-hmm. so Clyde Barker. That like body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she pops up with the. Oh, yeah. Hellraiser for sure. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, yeah, with just the lighting and shit like that. Yeah. Just the whole tone of it, I was like, oh, fuck. 
Exactly. Yeah, I could. I mean, totally she looked pretty badass though, too. Like it was pretty dope. She's got a hook, and she, it looks she like is. she hooks up through his nuts. I don't know, but maybe probably. It's I, I would. I would think so. Brutal fucking way to go out, by the way. But I mean, when you're when you're a fucking simp. But Stacy's carrying mm-hmm. the knife. They don't even explain yeah. this at all in the movie. It's just like, I guess obvious, but not obvious. That's why I love it though. But she's got a knife in her hand, and just happens to come across the scene, and the movie ends. So it's not yeah. like the cops run in and then it's like, oh, she's got the knife again. It's just like, oh, uh, if, if you're somewhat paying attention. over again. Yeah, you're like, okay, she had a knife in her hand. He died. I love that. That's such a good ending. <laughs> um, But I, like I was saying, though, her her head's all scalped and burnt like when she was crawling through the fire. But at the funeral, she was looking all like, good. Like, I was like, that mortician did some work on her. Yeah, I was about to say, dude, morticians, they go 100%. Yeah, she had makeup. They go 110 and like making people look you know, back back to their normal self. Well, especially since I mean, she was burnt to a crisp and looking like fucking Anakin, dude. Yeah, and she's a villain. Like people hate her, and he's still like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some magic on this. But in her death <laughs> version, she's back to the old burnt head. And was oh, she? I, actually, I couldn't tell from the lighting. I thought she just had like a buzz cut. No, that's her hair being burnt off. Really? I I genuinely what? thought that, that was like a like a little Bro, like short. Did you watch like, this movie? You thought she got a what? buzz cut? I thought. I just thought it looked curly. The light, dude, it was strobing lights. Yeah, it's from her hair getting literally burnt off in the fire. <laughs> burnt scalp. <laughs> dude, I don't know, bro. Dude, it is 100%. <laughs> That's not an interpretation thing. Her hair no, got it could be. Grace. It could be. Let's just say it's interpretation. You see it when she crawls out of the fire. Her hair is completely No, gone. yeah. I, I saw that. Just the strobing lights. I just It looked more like hair. Oh, she it got a buzz cut. It didn't look like disfigurement. Candyman wanted her to, you know, have a... Have well, a the mortician's like, bro, I got to give her a nice fade real quick. Oh, you're saying in the f- casket? Yeah. Oh, she might have. I don't remember. I just remember her face looked all pristine and not burnt. I don't remember if she had mm-hmm. hair or not. I feel like she had a wig or something. Maybe. But yeah, so actually, even better than that, though, the credits roll on an old painting. The one in Cabrini yeah, Green. Of- that mm-hmm. looks like Helen, like the, you know, 100%, the legend continues. Yeah. Perfect. Loved it. All right, so now that we've got through the scenery, though, let's actually... We got some more extras to cover. Hold up one. Yeah. Second. You are not content with the stories, so I was obliged to come. Be my victim. All right, you got got some uh, facts you want to spit? Yeah, let me pull up my, uh, my notes real quick, actually. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I got some random thing. I'm just gonna spit facts because I couldn't even mix them in as much as I had. Yeah, no, go ahead. One of them's an interesting alternate version of the film. Um, there's an unrated work print, which I guess is a bootleg of Candyman, uh, containing a more graphic beating of Helen in the toilets by like the gang leader and his friends who come in, who enter and they basically kick her a bunch of times on the floor while she's bleeding from the head wound. Jesus. And it's cut. That version is cut in all regular prints. I kind of feel like that should have been kept in, though. I mean, it's brutal, but it would have really, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want her that jacked up. And Yeah, I don't know. There's a uh, German VHS tape rated not under 18 that's fully uncut and includes a different, much gorier version of the psychologist's death than the R-rated cut. 
Yeah, I heard about that actually. But like the only difference uh between those two scenes between the censored and the uncensored version was just that like the film grain quality was lower on the uncensored re- or in the censored version. These are not censored. These are like additional. These are like uncut. Oh, are these like extended? Yeah. Almost like Yeah, these are oh, additional okay, scenes. Okay. Shit, I might have just been thinking of the censored and uncensored versions cuz th- like Looking it over, like they're the only way they censored it and for a scene that wasn't even really that graphic was just like a lower film quality. Like they just dropped the quality so that way it wasn't so like visible. Mm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a really weird way to censor a scene like that. I think a lot of especially in the VHS era, I think that was a lot more common. Mm, probably it was just probably the cheapest way to do it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, see, we didn't really show it. Which it does work, too, because you get some of these VHSs. It's crazy how much you can't see going on. Like, I'll watch the... You can get a lot. You can get away with a lot. Yeah, there's so much. I hate how dark it is sometimes. But, yeah, so those are additional, like, gorier scenes. I probably should have looked them up because I'd be curious to look at those. You know, they were shot for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do yeah. have that the effects crew that had a blacksmith make Candyman's hook, but when they went to pick it up, the black the, the blacksmith refused to sell it to him. Uh, he heard it was from Damn. a Clive Barker horror movie. He was a devout Christian blacksmith, and like didn't uh, want to get <laughs> like jeez. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. So he made it not knowing up until the day that they were gonna pick it up. Yeah, it, they probably said <laughs> it out of excitement. Like, yeah, you know what, dude? You just made a hook for Candyman. Oh, it's dude, a Clive Barker up. movie. And he went what? Ripped what it out of their hands. <laughs> Damn. How'd they get it back? Did they have to kill him. <laughs> I think they get so, Candyman dude. on him. I think so. Fuck. I have some you good facts man. about uh, the one guy, the little kid who, who was Jake. Uh, a couple ones. One was that he was referred to as one take Jake as he finished takes perfectly. Aww. Nice. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, that kid's good. Mm-hmm. He's acting very naturally. He just doesn't seem like he's acting. He's just being a kid. Yeah. And that, yeah, good he friend, actually man. bonded really well with Helen, Virginia Madsen. Mm-hmm. And. There's that scene when they're walking out of the apartment projects to the bathroom, and it was freezing cold. So in some takes, Madsen would cover him up with their jacket to keep him warm. That's a real heartwarming yeah. story for you. Yeah, for such a crazy, wacky, fucking psychological horror, <laughs> right? Movie. Yeah, some. But there's also one that says he said in an interview that he was too scared to watch the entire film for the first time at a screening. Oh gosh. Yeah, well, I was about to say. I mean, would you even show a child actor like the horror movie that they're in, even if they're not in like every single scene? Well, like, you know what I mean, like the scary shit. He tried to. I mean, he was in it, so tried to. It'd be yeah, cool to see. I mean, did he want to watch it by choice, or like, oh, do you want to go check it out? And he was like, oh, I mean, I guess I have to. Well, he went to the screening, and he said within yeah. minutes of hearing Philip Glass's score and the opening credits, he just dipped out <laughs> at, like right <laughs> after his name appeared and requested oh. to be let back only to watch his scenes. <laughs> so this oh, okay. scared. <laughs> Which I don't blame him. I mean, for a young kid. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, how old was he? Was he eight? I don't know. Probably eight to he, ten. He was a young, young dude. So, I mean, shit. About the same age that I watched this for the first time and I was scared shitless. Well, it's interesting, too, about the Philip Glass because I was looking up on his, like, he has a blog about Katie Man. He does not talk nicely about Candyman, which is kind of crazy and like really unfortunate because really? it's so amazing but he's like a f- straight up like artist in the sense of like he's like a very 
I don't even know how to describe it. Like, um, like very talented. Like he's like basically mm-hmm. the uh, you know, I'm a I'm a theater trained classical actor version of like the orchestra is what he is. Yeah, very okay. high end, very classy. Like I don't even know what mm-hmm. he's talking about on any of his blog that I was trying to read because it's so like <laughs> out of my purview of stuff. Basically speaking, speaking Latin. Yeah, like like what? So he is kind of thing, and this is why I was trying to look up with Bernard Stone too. Was that he was sold it as a different movie, um, which they might have been the case, but because it became like what he considers a low budget slasher, he what he doesn't really like to like. Like he's fine with it now, but he thought he was like manipulated, and really, yeah. Which I was like, really, man, because yeah, like right. slashers had such a bad connotation then. You know, yeah, and I guess I could see that too. Even though I don't consider it a slasher. Time. I mean, yeah, no, I wouldn't consider this a slasher. No, but it just got that. Right, because you know the studio wanted it to be perceived as a yeah, slasher. Yeah, they they really pushed for those like kills. Yeah, so they wanted it, so they marketed it as such. And I don't think the director wanted it to be that, and the composer definitely didn't. Which is weird though, because we'll probably talk about it in the second one. But he also goes and does the score for the second movie. Well, I mean, shit. Yeah, I mean, because it's like you know, because you did such a stellar job on your first work. I mean, fuck it. I, I would assume you'd want to like continue with your product, even though it's not going to go in the right direction that, you know, you saw it in. Well, that's what I thought, um, but I did see people mm-hmm. saying that it's because it could have been because like they already had the rights, so they could have just used his music he already made again. So he might have just said, "Well, if you're going to use my music anyway, I might as well actually score it, so it's like my work yeah. and it makes sense." So it could have just been that. That's super respectable too, man. I mean. Because I could totally imagine, like, from what I've heard of the second one, how it kind of, like, divulges from how poetic the first one was and kind of moves more towards, like, a slasher. Well, we'll be talking about it. Yeah. But, I mean, dude, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty fucking big dick move from the composer. He's like, well, fuck. I mean, if you're going to use my music and I don't have to be in it, I'm going to be in it. Well, that is, yeah. You know. And that's the respectable artist part about it. Like, he's like, no. Yeah, for real. I want it to make sense still with that movie. I did that for the... You know, mm. you're scoring it according to the scenes and everything from a specific movie. Like, you can't just plug that in, plug and play for another movie. Mm. Um, one thing, I think we kind of talked about it, too, was that um, Virginia Madsen was friends with the director, Bernard Rose, and his wife at the time, Alexandra Pig, and she was supposed to be playing... Yeah. She was supposed Helen to be playing Pig Helen. Was supposed to be Helen. The mm-hmm. wife was. And... Virginia Madison was supposed to play Bernadette, the friend. So um, his wife got pregnant and ended up not doing the movie at all and gave it to Virginia Madison, who still didn't want to take it because she's like, you know, I don't want to do that to my friend. But she's like, mm-hmm. you know, gave it a blessing. And then they switched Bernadette. Like, we need to have, like, a black character in this too. So that I think <laughs> they did the right thing too and had the friend end up being a black character. Oh, it definitely worked out though too, you know. Yeah. Like, almost serendipitous. You know, thank God she got pregnant. Yeah, because then you get you that know? dynamic of the black and white when they're going to projects and she's trying to tell her the reality of it and she's, you know, just pushing It makes through. a lot more sense because, like, imagine, like, a white chick saying that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just wouldn't fit. Yeah, and you need someone Into that, experience. like, symbolism at least. 
there is a lot of facts too about like the gothic aspect inspirations. of inspirations. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you can tell definitely from the music, but definitely like some of the scenes, and that's why they made Candyman's Lair try to look like a gothic church. Uh, so there's a lot of references there. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, some of it might go over my head, but I, I do see what they were trying to do with the gothic aspect of it. Yeah, and I feel like definitely Tony Todd helped out with a lot of the gothic themes. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I was surprised, honestly, when reading about how much control he had over Candyman as a character. Because before Candyman, Tony Todd wasn't really all too popular. Like, this was his film, right? Yeah, this was his big, big one. Yeah, and so they were just like... I, I think what really sold them on the idea of like letting him kind of like help direct the character for Candyman was just his experience in theater, like um, classical theater and performance and just kind of being like, well, what's the word? I don't want to use well, because that's not even a word, well knowledge, but very knowledgeable of, um, you know, Shakespeare, classical writing. Oh yeah, definitely. uh, Poetry and such. Yeah. Well, that's the big kicker. Like if he didn't, we probably wouldn't talk about him, but some of the best like players who played, killers made it their own you know michael myers freddy krueger like yeah they decided not i'm mm-hmm. not just gonna they decided this is gonna be the thing and then they all end up having their own distinct walk and voice and all that 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 person basically created who played them and if they didn't we probably wouldn't know about it because it doesn't really stick in yeah. your head yeah yeah no for real dude that, that's so crazy too just thinking about it conceptually just the fact that like all these iconic characters were they weren't just written down but they were like organically formed through the actor's perspective like it naturally came to be yeah so it's like yeah like a combination of a director and an actor working together and that's just that's so fucking cool like thinking about it conceptually speaking yeah definitely i think i pretty much went through the facts i mean i have like random little ones i I was spilling a couple of my facts uh while we were talking about it yeah so all all my extras are actually all covered for the most part i also have uh, like these random little tidbits like yeah uh, Candyman's name was to be called 13 times originally in the script (laughs) but 13 times yeah thankfully they reduced it to five Dude, that that would not be asking. Who the fuck would say that thirteen times? Jeez. Like, I, I don't have enough patience for that. Gosh, this could have been easily cringe if they did that. <sighs> Again, dude, open heart surgery. Any kind of minute detail in this film, oh, if you were to sure. take out, it really would impact it heavily. For sure. Well, yeah, I think that's it for that. You don't have any more for it. Uh, no, yeah, I kind of I was spilling a couple of my facts when we were Spin. talking about production. Sounds good. Well, oh, actually, there is the one that I feel like this is important, too, just because it, like, it doesn't really make sense with the fire, except for with the prophecy aspect. But um, yeah, since the original story that's based off of the Forbidden Clyde Barker story, it takes place in a like a British housing project. Um, the fire is part of like an actual, like we we're talking about, like a it's a traditional Guy Fawkes night celebration. Yeah, that's that's probably where I was thinking that the fire was like a yearly thing, like an annual thing. That well, you wouldn't know that when watching the, the movie, but that's what it was. Oh based yeah, no, off not of. when watching the movie. Yeah, but when we're talking about it, because I read up on the Forbidden a little bit. Yeah, it's an actual yeah, fire that is, celebration. Yeah, so that's what it's based <laughs> off, but it still works. I think. I think it's really cool. Oh yeah, no. Regardless, it it still hits. Well, it's about that time. 
Oh shit. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. All right, so. Yes, sir. Well, I'll give the general ratings of uh, IMDb is a 6.6. Rotten Tomatoes critics is 77%. Rotten Tomatoes fans is 62%. Well, um, actually lower than I thought it would be, surprisingly, for all this. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely has ratings of still like an underground thing, strangely enough, as is, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, 6.6 is still really high on IMDb. IMDb. Oh, yeah, no, definitely for IMDb standards, but definitely Rotten Tomatoes is surprising. And that's the audience score, 66? No, uh, it's a 6.6 for IMDb. Um, the audience is 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, 62%, okay. And the critics is 77 Huh. That's yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't count the kills on this one. <laughs> oh. I was too. There's, invested. to be fair, not many. There's like five. From, yeah, because you got to think there was Bernadette and the dog that technically. Are we counting dogs? We never made the distinction. Oh, shit, dude. No. Uh, that's, that's a moral I say no because we didn't really like learn its name and get involved with it. Killer clowns. We did okay, get involved true. with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog. Yeah. You know what? That's absolutely right. All right. So we got Bernadette. So yeah. So we had Bernadette, and then we had the original lady that died. But do you want to count just kills that happened within this yeah. movie's time frame? Within. Okay. It. Yeah. So we got. I'm trying to think chronologically. Trevor. It was. Yeah. Trevor. Bernadette. Doctor. There was. What? Doctor. Yeah. Do- oh yeah. Doctor. Um. We can shit. count. The I guess the one in the opening scene with the legend. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. That's like four or five then. I yeah, no, dude. I fuck it. I think it's literally only like five. That's I definitely bad. we're definitely forgetting one death. Oh, I'm sure. But that's not bad though. Well oh I guess Helen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, shit. <laughs> fuck, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Candyman only really kills like three people though. In this, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, about. I mean, it's not crazy high, which is, I mean, it works. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, um, well, I guess we can't really answer if it needs a sequel or we like sequel because that's already happened. <laughs> well, we can say should have see should have the se- wait no fuck 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 hang on a minute let me word this properly should the sequel. It already Fuck, has a sequel. Dude, it's so hard to word it. this properly. Hold on, hold on. I got this. Why are you I got this. I'm so worried about the words, dude. Just say it. Should say it. Well, because I'm gonna fucking sound like a bumbling idiot. Well, Just whatever. Fuck. It, I already do. Should the sequel of it? Trying to. Yeah. No, how do you say that? Should the sequel would have? Oh my gosh, bro! You're done, though. <laughs> Fuck. What's okay? What's your? Fuck it. Whatever. Whatever, dude. Or wait. But I'll ask you this. Yeah. Scary. When you're ten. Yes. Wait, when I was 10? I saw it when I was 8, but I'd probably still be scared when I was 10. And right now? No, I, I was way more intrigued, though. Watching it a second time older. True. You know what I mean? I'll say yes for both, just because, like... And I mean it from the sense of, like, not I'm actually scared, but, like, I recognize what is still scary about it, if that makes sense. You know? Okay, yeah. Like, you can understand Cause the horror. if I don't view it from that aspect, I'm pretty much never ever gonna say yes to that scary right now 
Mm, well, yeah. I mean, well, some films, definitely. Like, first time watching. Mm, I'm saying for myself personally. I mean... I- Really? All right. Yeah. Well, you're just fucking invincible, dude. Made out of pretty much desensitized, maybe. Okay, maybe. But maybe. I mean it from the context of like, yeah, like I recognize it is a scary film. Yeah. So I will still mm-hmm. say like, and and that also goes along with yeah, like it holds up. Meaning, what made it scary then makes it still scary now. Just as oh well. yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. I guess yeah, for me at least, like I wasn't so scared. I was just more so like enamored. With just watching Tony Todd, oh, for call sure. it a fucking man crush, but yeah, no, I just watching him perform made it like not so scary, but I was just so like intrigued by it. I was like, man, you're so fucking talented, <laughs> you motherfucker. I'm envious. Well, it's about that time for you to give it a rating. All right, well, you know, I'm just gonna do a quick off the hip. I'm gonna give this movie a seven, just solid seven. I think it hits the bar pretty well. Uh, I love the poetry. Uh, the metaphors used in this, just the commentary, all everything about it is just so tightly fit perfectly into this movie because it's not overly long. It's like about what? The runtime is an hour and 28 minutes, right? No, but that's fine. It's close to that. <laughs> it's oh, an hour and a half. <laughs> it's all right. Like, yeah, an hour yeah. and a half? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We, well, regardless, yeah, an hour and a half movie. <laughs> it's... Fuck. If it was an hour and 29, would that change your mind? <laughs> Yeah, it, it would have gotten an eight from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but regardless, it, it gets what it wants to get out. Uh, you know, it's really, really, it's a very clever movie. Very smart. Uh, and again, like anything that would have been changed prior, like any kind of detail definitely would have lowered this movie in terms of quality. Okay. But I just really appreciate Tony Todd's performance. He's a fucking G. Why don't you marry and him, dude? What's up? Why don't you marry him, I, dude? I wish, I wish he wasn't married already, Roasted. dude. You know that? Fuck. Wow, you did do your research. I did do my research. That's just, I'm just guessing, dude. <laughs> if, if no one's fucking married Tony Todd, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I mean, what's like, exactly. what's our hope? <laughs> if he can. Fuck, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, if he's not married, I'm not going to find anyone, dude. For sure not. Shit. Well, I'm going, I'm using the same reasoning as you, but I'm going crazy. I'm going 8.9. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. For basically all those reasons, I just think it's so unique. Um, it holds up. It's still scary. So much thought was put into it. Um, it's basically does like the anti horror thing of almost all the tropes for the most part. Oh yeah. And like everything's uninspired almost from this. Yeah. And a lot. A lot of the sequences. I think because it's so unique and so different, I don't even think it's really been copied too, which is nice. It's not like, because some movies you see them for the first time and like they might have started mm-hmm. the tropes, but because you've seen it so many times, it still takes away from the original to some extent. But this one, like you really. Yeah. Seen. So yeah. Um, I feel like this is an easy one, but does it actually make mm-hmm. it into the House of Horrors? Oh, dude. Come on, dude. Absolutely. Not. Oh. <laughs> that fucking fake out. Yeah, dude. The good Fuck thing yeah. is, I mean, we got multiple Candyman's still go through. So we'll, not only will we see Tony Yeah, Todd not then, so sure those are going to make it, though. But, oh, yeah. But <laughs> not only will we see that, but we'll see him in a lot of other stuff for sure. Because of yeah. this movie, he pops up in everything. It's almost like 
uh, a rite of passage for a franchise. Like if you want your horror movie to be treated good, especially on the lower end, lower budget, you got to have Tony Todd in there at some point. Bro, get him in that. You're going to have a fucking cult classic like like that. It's thing. crazy. He is a cult classic and Candyman is too. Yeah. Like, you know how many cameos <laughs> he gets in movies? You might not know, but. Maybe. Probably not. Just probably because I haven't seen those movies. Yeah. Or at least in a while. I, well, it's funny too because I probably also wouldn't even have recognized him. Because. Yeah, you uh, Just his appearance. He was a lot younger. What are you trying to say? Dude? In Candyman. No, nothing, dude. It's just, you know, he's a lot younger. He's in his prime. He's wearing a coat. You know, he's missing his right hand. Yeah, but you can't take away that voice in that six foot five uh, dime piece. So fucking handsome, dude. Fuck. All right, well, I'm glad we did an exhaustive one and I wanted to do it right. Yeah, uh, good luck editing all this, dude. It's going to be quite quite the ride. Uh, not too bad. <laughs> all right, well, next up is Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh. All right. Peace out. I don't know what to be excited. Peace, guys. (laughs)